from the Acme Podcasting Company. This is Exhibit. Gertrude Vanderbilt Whitney, Sculpture. I'm Arlene Bynum. It's the first exhibition of Whitney's work since her death in 1942, and it reveals a side of this avant-garde artist which often gets lost in her social notoriety. An accomplished sculptor who studied under Rodin in Paris and ultimately began the Whitney Museum of American Art in New York City. Gertrude was also a pioneer as a female artist at a time when women were not given credit for their talent or their work. The traditional life of a well-bred lady of her time and her class was not enough for her. And so she determined to become a professional sculptor. She was probably, uh, if you'll forgive the expression, the alpha (laughs) of, of the siblings. And that was a powerful group of siblings. This podcast will take you into the exhibition and hopefully to the essence of Gertrude herself, the little girl who knew she wanted to be an artist, the patriot who was deeply impacted by World War I, the wife, the romantic, the devoted sister, the mother, and the grandmother. Her life and all her loves were reflected in her art. Most people in those days portrayed these soldiers as heroic. She portrayed them as they were in World War I. I see the imprint of her very fingers in these bronzes, and they're very moving because all of her deep feelings about the war and suffering are are in them. Here is Gertrude Vanderbilt Whitney Sculpture, Part 1. Before we go inside the exhibit, let's hear how it all started. And... The motivation to get this exhibition going came from the family. John LeBoutlier, former congressman and great-great-grandson of Gertrude Vanderbilt Whitney. Hi, John. Hello, Arlene. Thank you for having me and for doing this podcast about the show that all of us are very proud of. How did it begin? I mean, it's been so long, and a lot of these works have been hidden in private collections Where did the idea to finally let it out into the open and let the public become involved? How did it happen? Well, the idea came from Henry Joyce, who was the executive director of the Planting Fields Museum here on Long Island, where Gertrude lived and where I live. And he came to me one day and said, I think there ought to be a show just of Gertrude's sculpturing, just do art. And I thought right away, it's a great idea. And I'm going to call the two senior people in our family, my aunt, Flora Biddle, who was the president of the Whitney Museum for decades, and her brother, my uncle, Lev Miller. And I asked each of them, would you be willing to have this show? If you don't want it, we won't do it. But if you do want it, um, we're all going to participate. We'll all offer up all the pieces of sculpture that we've had or have and be a participant in it. And they both said, yes, let's do it. And I told Henry, and that was the beginning of it. Henry's wife, Hope Allswang, for years was the president of the Norton Museum of Art in Palm Beach. They curated it, and the show opened there. 
We have an amazing roster of guests as we bring you the story of this sculpture and this exhibit. And John, I mean, we're really going to go into some places. This is a story about a woman's sculpture. This is a story about history. This is a story about your family. And it also is one that really brings in so much of American history. It, it hits a lot of the touch points that are still really poignant today. We're going to go into sinking ships and hurricanes. And yes, and we're going to talk to two of Gertrude's surviving grandchildren. Her grandson, Leverett Miller, who at eight years old saw the hurricane of 1938 hit Newport and saw Gertrude's studio that was on the cliff there wash out to sea. He might be the only person left on this planet who saw that happen. We're going to hear from my, uh, my aunt, Flora Biddle, who is the president of the Whitney Museum, Gertrude's granddaughter, who has written two books about Gertrude and really knows Gertrude, her life and her art intimately. We're going to hear from Alfred Vanderbilt, the grandson of the namesake, his namesake grandfather, who died on the Lusitania, Gertrude's brother. And that incident, which we're going to describe on this podcast, really affected Gertrude for the rest of her life. It changed her art, which then moved heavily into sculptures of World War I, the suffering soldiers and what they went through. She was very empathetic about it. And we're going to hear from Ellen Roberts, who curated the show and really got Gertrude. We'll begin with the person who put it together. Ellen Roberts is the Harold and Ann Berkeley Smith Curator of American Art at the Norton Museum of Art. Welcome, Dr. Roberts. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Can you explain, first of all, what this means to art history in the United States of America to see this collection together at this moment? Well, I think, you know, Gertrude Vanderbilt Whitney, uh, you know, she's not a modernist. And so she, she like many artists of her time, has been left out of art, art history. By the mid-20th century, the uh, history of American art and really the history of modern art was being written by the kind of modernists. So art that's not abstract, that still has a connection to the uh, real world in that sense, was kind of left out. And so her art being left out is part of that. So I think we are realizing now that the the history of 20th century art is much more complicated than was initially thought and, and much more interesting, in fact, that, that there are people working as Gertrude Vanderbilt Whitney did at the same time as there are people working and exploring abstraction. So I think it's it's an important addition to the the history uh, this this show and other shows like it. What was it like to put this together and grab these pieces and find these pieces and hear their stories? It must have been quite a journey. It really was. Uh, you know, we've worked very closely with the uh, Whitney family, and they've been amazing to work with. And I, we certainly could not have done it without them. Much of the material is still in the family. And so that being said, it was really uh, almost like a treasure hunt, you know, finding these pieces. Mm -hmm. And some of them uh, that I know existed and probably still exist somewhere in the world, I, I still have not been able to find. So it was your most basic art history in a way, trying to figure out what the things are, what is the title, what was the original title when she first exhibited these things. And also, you know, when did she do them? Uh, 
how big are they, um, that sort of thing. So that's why the exhibition catalog is an important document going forward because it is uh, a record of this and we have not ever had that published before. So I hope that more people will come along after me and continue to work on her. She had an extraordinary life. All artists' lives are very, very interesting. But this one was storied in American history on its own. What was her impetus and what do you think comes through in these sculptures? Well, I think, you know, the thing about Gertrude Van about Whitney is like many uh, women of her class, she was taught some art as part of, you know, her training to be a well-bred young lady. And so for most people, most women of that class, that's all it was. It was a sort of a hobby in a way, something that she did on the side. Uh, But for her, that was not enough. And so she determined to become a professional sculptor. And her sculpture was important for her in that sense as kind of a way of defining herself apart from her class as, as a real serious professional, but also as a way to really express her emotions. And she also came from a class which didn't really value that or and kind of didn't encourage that. So so her sculpture was important for her for that reason as well. Uh, it really gave her an outlet. It did give her an outlet. And what sculptures do you think are the most poignant as she moves forward in this? Well, I, I think the, to me, the World War One sculptures that she did in response to her experience in France, uh, she volunteered in hospitals on several occasions in France early in the war, and it really left a mark on her, as you might imagine, um, seeing the terrible things that the war was doing. And so when she comes back, she begins to do these small tabletop sculptures of some of the figures that she saw in France, and they are very poignant. And what I tried to do in the show is get as many of them together as possible, because in a large group, they become even more poignant, I think. And then that material really informed some of her later war monuments. So that's some of her strongest work, I think. Who else influenced her? Artists form groups, they influence each other. We've been talking how she stands out from the artists and also the well-bred ladies of the time. What was her circle like and how do they affect these works? Oh, they definitely, she had uh, many artist friends and I think that that also was important to her. Uh, She, in a way, felt more comfortable in uh, among her artist friends than she did among her, her, the class she had been born into. And so, you know, she was friends with many sculptors of her time, Joe Davidson. Uh, and you can see the influence going both ways, I think, both of them exploring particularly portraiture, realistic portraiture, and how to convey an, a, an individual in a sculpture. Um, in terms of influences on her, she was able to actually meet Rodin, and he visited her studio in Paris, and he uh, very much encouraged her. So I think that was an important influence on her and kind of an impetus for her at that time in her career early on. What did she do for modernness at that time as well? I mean, she really seemed to put herself into making sure that they got more recognition. Absolutely. Well, and she, you know, she's one of the first people to recognize the importance of 20th century American art. And so she collected the art of her time. And she also really, I think, she supported artists for their own sakes. So uh, she was very key for many artists of her time. She, you know, she funded Stuart Davis's trip to France. She did things like that all the time because she believed that what they were doing was so important. And she bought their work from them. She made it possible for them to show their work at the Whitney Studio. She's really key in the encouraging of, of 20th century American artists at that time. 
What has been the reaction to this exhibit? What are people saying about it? How is it affecting people? Well, I think it's it's been very gratifying for me because I think, you know, she hasn't really been given her due in her time, she was she became quite a famous professional sculptor. And when she died, uh, the New York Times entitled her obituary, Gertrude Vanderbilt Whitney Sculptor is dead. And so it seems to me that by that time, she really was known uh, as a sculptor. But since then, you know, her reputation has fallen off in part because of, you know, the kind of emphasis on abstraction and in part because she's so famous as the founder of the Whitney Museum of American Art and as a collector. You know, I think it's been great for me to put the show together and then see people, the visitors, really rediscovering her work and, and being very moved by it. So uh, it's been very gratifying, the response. When we look at art, we think of emotions. And this has range, doesn't it? I mean, the the war sculptures are are very, very bleak. And then then there are happier art deco pieces. Now, it's true. And I think that an interesting thing about her, like many artists of her time, is that she, in a way, was sort of a chameleon. So she would change her style depending on uh, what she was trying to do. So there are these more realistic portraits, which I th- also find to be very poignant, and the kind of more realistic war sculptures. But then also she's doing these kind of public monuments, and she wants to make them more universal. So she uses a kind of more streamlined style, which eventually has many resonances with Art Deco. Um, so in that sense, she has these different styles going on at the same time. It's hard to pin her down. And I think that is actually another reason why she hasn't been covered as much by art historians. Just She's hard to pinpoint stylistically. But when you see a collection, then that message gets together. So how many sculptures are part of this exhibit? So we have, I mean, there are about 50 works in the show, but includes uh, some of her drawings as well, a couple of her sketchbooks and some of the kind of single sheet drawings, uh, preparatory studies for her sculpture, and also a number of works, a small number of works done by her contemporaries that deal with her sculpture. In that sense, it's a kind of attempting to put her all of her work in context. You know, her gender is a big part of this as well. She was from a storied family and a moneyed family, and her gender comes through. We focus so much on gender now and take a new, fresh look at things. Does that uh, look from fresh eyes come out to you from from this artist who worked as a nurse during the war? I mean, there's a, a very big female message here. There really is. And I think what's interesting to me in working on her is that you see her being treated in the, uh, by the critics of that time in the same way that other women sculptors of that time were treated. And, you know, I think when I started working on this, I thought she might be kind of exempt from that because she was so wealthy. But in fact, she's written about in the same way that people write about other women sculptors, which is that critics at the time would write about them as saying that, you know, they couldn't believe that these women could make these uh, works because sculpture is so physical. So it seems like something that would be very hard to make and that women aren't strong enough to make it. Um, and that's exactly the way they write about her work as well. So she was having the same battles as other women artists of her time. She also showed, contrary to some of the artists who worked on war sculptures at the time, 
Hers were not really about the glory of war. The pain is there. The misery is there. No, it's really true. And that's it's it was very unusual for the time. It's not kind of glorifying war. It's not um, glorifying the American the American participation in the war in the way that many of her contemporaries uh, sculpture was. And so the, she's very important for art history because of that as well, separate from her identity and all of this, because she she is really conveying the true tragedy of that war, the first modern war in which there were so many new terrible ways to kill people. Um, you know, she she has she depicts soldiers who have been gassed and soldiers who have been blinded by by uh, mustard gas. So I think uh, she's she's an important part of art history for that reason as well. And there's an empathy in her work for the unemployed. She showed that empathy in the other sculptures. She really did. And I think and that also is unusual for her time. Mm-hmm. We have uh, two sculptures of African-American subjects in the show. And she really depicted these people as individuals. And that was very unusual at the time. She does a more nuanced depiction of them um, than most artists of her time did. And so she's important for that reason as well. And also uh, there is a sculpture that I haven't actually been able to find, but of an unemployed man from the Depression. And that, again, was an unusual thing for a sculptor to focus on. Finally, let me ask you, how do you think she will be remembered? Will this change the modern view of her? I hope so. I mean, I think her sculpture had been sort of forgotten as a She's so famous, as I said, as a, as a museum founder and, and as a collector. So what I hope will happen is that people will see the show and realize that she was an important sculptor of her time and that more, you know, curators like me and, and you know, art historians will begin to work on her and begin to replace her into that history of American art of the 20th century. So I hope that will happen. Dr. Ellen Roberts, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thanks kindly. It was a pleasure. Thank you. And there we have the guts and the feel of the show and how it was put together. Now let's go back in history, John. Alfred Gwynne Vanderbilt has a story to tell. And it's a story about his namesake grandfather, Alfred Gwynne Vanderbilt I, who's Gertrude's brother, and died in the Lusitania. And that incident greatly affected Gertrude's art and life. Let's hear his story. I would like to welcome Alfred Vanderbilt. Thank you so much for being here. It's a pleasure to be here, Arlene. Nice to meet you. Alfred, how does it feel looking at a collection of art and sculpture from Gertrude, knowing so much of your family has been put into the blood and water and material, everything that's gone into those sculptures? Oh, it's such an interesting question, Arlene, because the the reaction I had, and I, I can only speak for myself, is that seeing the exhibition is tremendously emotional. You know, the fact is that she she lived 100 years ago at a time where women were uh, disenfranchised. And in particular, her class, her set, was expected to sort of sip tea and not ask questions and, and not do very much. In fact, if they did very much, they were they were really questioned and disliked. And she was a tremendously powerful individual and a force in the family. I think she was the most, um, she was probably, uh, if you'll f- forgive the expression, the alpha. 
of, <laughs> of the siblings. And that was a powerful group of siblings. It was. You have a, a connection, of course, through your family and also directly to some of the sculptures, which I'm sure that we will hear about. But first, we should hear the haunting story. Your grandfather was Gertrude's brother and was killed on the Lusitania, a tragedy that the world still researches and looks at and sees at such a landmark point of our life. I think the interesting thing about the Lusitania tragedy is it it's it's the four echo of 9-11. It was maybe the first time that a foreign entity murdered innocent civilians in pursuit of their international goals. Uh, in 9/11, they they flew airplanes into the Pentagon and into into the World Trade Center. Um, the Lusitania was a passenger ship on its way to England, and uh, Germany had declared war against the Allies, and they sunk the American ship, which was not a combatant ship, uh, and uh, sent 2,000 people into the freezing seas of the North Atlantic. Uh, killing 1,200, only about 700 survived. My grandfather was on his way to England, and um, he didn't swim. It was the only sport he couldn't do. He was 38 years old, young man, very athletic. But like uh, every Vanderbilt man I've ever <laughs> known, he had an analytic mind, and I'm quite sure that he saw the situation, the torpedo struck at about two in the afternoon, and the ship immediately listed way over on its right side and continued to plow forward into the sea, the front of the ship going downward. So he knew they were going down very fast, and um, he would have calculated how many on board might survive. And I think the quick calculation would have been anyone over the age of 45, will not survive this. Anyone under the age of, what, 16, probably will not survive this. I can't swim. I'm 38 years old. And a a panicked woman uh, came up on the deck. She had left her life preserver down below decks and couldn't get back to her cabin for it. And so he gave her his life preserver and then organized a search for children, putting them into the lifeboats. All of this is very well recorded by uh, eyewitnesses and recorded at the uh, inquest and by the newspapers who arrived in Queenstown the next day to write the story of the sinking. And of course, he did not survive. He died and was never found. But Gertrude's sculpture changed dramatically after that event. In and what she way? Began, in what way? What did she start to do? she began to sculpt uh, images of the First World War. And that's what this exhibition is full of. And they're images of soldiers uh, uh, wounded. They're images of soldiers saving each other. The most striking and emotional image is a a sculpture, a large-scale sculpture of a lifeboat. And uh, the lifeboat is being held up by uh, unnamed people under it. In other words, there, there's, there's a boat, and then under the boat, there are all of these people holding it up. And on the boat, there's a figure holding a child. And it, unquestionably, in my mind, it's a tribute to her brother, because that's how he died, saving children. And this went forward in her work 
and the way she depicted it, the emotion of, of that particular sculpture and those unnamed people, it showed up in her other depictions of the war. At the time, it was all about the glory of war. But in her sculptures, there was a lot of agony. That's so perceptive. Yes, you see the agony. You see the pain. It's not a glorification at all. It's it's a true depiction. And uh, so just go, sort of going back again, th- th- this was a lady of the drawing rooms. This was a lady who had millions at her disposal, but she was struggling to be taken seriously as an artist, and she had to do the hard work, harder still, I think, because she was a woman and because she was wealthy, to to, to be considered a sculptor. And she was, finally, by the end of her life, uh, she was recognized by her husband, by her family, by the New York Times, as a sculptor. And uh, this, the evidence of that is all here at the Newport Art Museum for this show. It's really stunning. I'm wondering, you know, the connection to it. We all have a connection to our history. We have relatives who fought in wars and lost their lives. But as you look at this sculpture, there must be even a more modern connection. You've tied in the 9-11 with the sinking of the Lusitania. But as we look at this, it is a very modern time. We look at women differently. The description of, of Gertrude's struggle as a woman and to be taken seriously, does that pour out of these sculptures now a little bit more than in the past? Oh, I think it definitely does. I think this is the perfect time for this show because women are just having such a wonderful resurgence and such a great emergence, I should say. It, it really it really does. And there's blood, sweat, and tears in this art. And, and that shows, too. Now that it has come out and we have this special uh, exhibition here, how does it change things for you even personally? I mean, to look at those things and see the story of your family. There have been uh, stories of greatness. There has been also stories of sorrow. What does it do to you? as a Vanderbilt? It's hard to say. Um, I relate to it because I had a brother who died uh, climbing mountains in, in, the, in the 1980s. And I think it's one of the reasons I was able to look at that sculpture and understand that that's, that's Gertrude's tribute to her brother. That's, that's something very personal. And so I, I just do, I think your point is really well taken. We, we, we will all find things to relate to in the work. It's quite wonderful. It is. Do you think that it's going to change her reputation at all? She fought hard for it. She's known for many things. But to see this together in the individuality and the personal contribution to the work of sculpture, it must be, in a collective way, even more powerful. Yes. I think anyone who sees the show, and I I know that the uh, Wall Street Journal wrote a glowing review of it, will never take her lightly ever again. This, this, I think it's the emergence of a serious artist 100 years after her life. And uh, it, it is emotional to see and it's emotional to be part of. And I think it does, it, it does tell the story of the Vanderbilts in a new and interesting way. Alfred Vanderbilt, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, Eileen. This has been Gertrude Vanderbilt Whitney, Sculpture, Part 1. Our thanks to John LeBoutlier. Dr. Ellen Roberts, and Alfred Vanderbilt. In part two, we will speak to a grandson, Leverett Miller, 
and a granddaughter, Flora Miller Biddle, past president of the Whitney Museum of American Art. I'm Arlene Bynan, and this has been Exhibit from the Acme Podcasting Company.